WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the WrestleBlog podcast. It is time to discuss NXT TakeOver 31. I am your host, Aaron X, and joining me to have a chat about this is your second favorite Canadian diabetic, Kyle Wilkinson. Uh, you know, that is completely accurate because even I don't like me more than I like Kyle O'Reilly. God, this, yeah. was a, this was a good show, yeah. wasn't it? I know, I don't, well, I always say this, but I don't watch NXT pretty much ever since they put it live because they fucked me. So it's always nice to get a dabble of NXT in there. I like the way you said they fucked me. Like, oh, just you. <laughs> like, you're the only person who didn't have to, yep. like, you know. Yep. Yeah. They, just, they just shoved it in raw like some sort of dream might do. <clears throat> oh god we're starting off heavy um well we'll get to that in a moment so nxt takeover 31 nice and easy to cover ladies and gentlemen you know the score five matches we're going to review them all show opens very nicely with a north american championship match uh Vel- velveteen dream no see now look what you've done he's in my head now and she's oh, no. because he I mean, it's better be your head than something else i was gonna say yeah, it's probably the yeah actually yeah no there's plenty of inside jokes we'll stick it that way damian priest successfully defending his championship against johnny gargano uh that makes it one nil to me on the predictions because you had johnny gargano winning for some ungodly reason uh but nonetheless this match was fantastic and just another just another match in johnny gargano's incredible legacy of nxt of how well he's played of how well he's just you know, he is the game player. He's he's just everything. Like to he's he's there, Daniel Bryan. He's the guy you rely on to set the tone, to set the pace, and he does it once again. And Damian Priest, this was a real match to help cement the fact that his star is on the rise, and it is rapidly on the rise. Uh, getting a clean win over Johnny Takeover is huge. Like like you were just saying. Johnny Gargano's takeover history. It might not be the most successful per se, but he's just, he always brings his A game to every single show. So when uh, I, I did, I did have him for the win because I thought him and Candice were going to, you know, be the big old power couple in NXT and we'll get to the second half of that later. But I don't know, it just would have been uh, pretty cool to see. But in hindsight, obviously, Priest just won the belt. He's not going to drop it. He needs to have, like, I think he needs to have a good run. He is a, Solid big man with so much more agility than I think he should have. And, yeah, picked up the clean win by uh, spiking Gargano's head to the canvas. At least that's what it looked like. That was a dirty reckoning, wasn't it? Yeah, I um, I really love Damon Priest. I love the look. I think he's, you know, ridiculously handsome. He's got a great look. He's he's very edgy. He's very metal. I mean, you know, he's the perfect character. You can't help but feel that if this was the Attitude Era, he'd probably be, well, he'd be very special, I think, in that, 
in that Garner period because that was, you know, his look is very trendy. Um, and also his promo skills seem to be getting better. There's a good character there. I love the whole fire thing. It almost feels a little bit like a kind of more X-rated version of what Baron Corbin was when he debuted on the main roster. You know, when he started having heavy metal and all that before he kind of transitioned into the lunatic that he is now. Um, you know, it, it's got a lot of potential and I'm really excited about it. One thing I said to you while we were watching the match, though, yeah, I think he needs to tone down the kicks. Like, I really like the kicks and I think they look fucking incredible. But at the same time, when you're his size, do you know what it reminds me of? Uh, Hernandez in TNA, when he started doing an incredible tope from the outside into the ring. And it's so amazing. But if you do it every fucking match, it doesn't mean anything. And if you do it every five minutes, people don't care. And then eventually what will happen is they'll expect more. Um, I do love the kicking. I absolutely do. And I think it's no problem with him doing it every match. But if he's going to do it, like, you know, the volume of it for me needs to be toned down. But that is a minimal complaint because he is fantastic. And also he's a big guy, you know. And It's funny, actually. I watch him wrestle and it's amazing the difference between him and Luchasaurus. I almost feel like Damien Priest is kind of what Luchasaurus should be, but just quite isn't, you know? It feels like he's kind of trying to catch up. I feel like you know, I don't dislike Luchasaurus. I like him. Um, but I feel like he's kind of the closest thing they have in AEW as a comparison. And when you look at how they're being developed character-wise and in-ring work and, you know, who they're working with, Damien Priest is streets ahead. I think when you watch what they're doing with Damien Priest on NXT, that is a shining example of how you handle a big guy, how you push him. So, yeah, absolute fantastic match. Great opener. Everything you wanted to set the pace for what would ultimately become a very exciting evening of wrestling, as you would well, as you would pretty much expect from these guys. One thing that was very interesting, actually, no tag team championship match on this uh, show, which I thought was a little bit interesting. But uh, the next match was always going to, shall we say, trigger the audience, so to speak. I, th- I think that's definitely, that, that's a good word to use. Because, yeah. you know, the internet yeah. is just going to go insane because, of course, they are. the internet wrestling community are a bunch of fuckers. And I know we're a part of that, and I'm still including us, but, God, <laughs> it is just the most toxic place you could ever look for. Well, I mean, if people are going to be upset, I thoroughly understand that. I, for one, personally think that out of all of the, you know, things that went on with speaking out on that, <laughs> allegedly, this feels like it certainly is one of the stronger ones that you could have a complaint about. Um, Velveteen Dream, of course, wrestling Kushida. Uh, once again, um, WWE, NXT, they, you know, they... They have essentially said, we have done investigations. We have found that there is no evidence to suggest that he's grooming or whatever it may be. And because of that, we're just going to crack on with it. Okay, cool. Um, my opinion was that if there was, you know, even if it turns out that his phone was legitimately hacked or if there was no real evidence, um, you know, to support the allegations against him, I don't see why it was necessary to kind of force him back onto TV so quickly. My opinion was, if anyone's been listening to podcasts in the past, um, 
that ultimately, even if he is innocent, you didn't need to force him onto TV like you did. You didn't need to push him as hard as you have. It almost feels like they've kind of gone the opposite way to infuriate fans a little bit. It wouldn't surprise me if this is a kind of big middle finger to their universe. And, you know, I understand why people would be upset because ultimately there's a lot of evidence there that would suggest that something very nefarious and very disturbing has happened. And, it's not like they don't have an army of other people to use in this position. That being said, um, Velveteen Dream versus Kushida, on paper, I thought, mm, I'm not sure if I really care that much. But there were elements of this match, and there were storytelling portions of this match, which really drew me in. I'm not going to lie. Him coming out as the Doc, you know, great Scott from Back to the Future, when we all know that Kushida is kind of like the time splitter and goes with the mime and fly gear from Back to the Future. I thought that was great. You know, it's it, once again, it's classic Velveteen Dream um, mind games. If you want me to, so if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking you want, you know, Aaron and Kyle to just fucking condemn Velveteen Dream and bury him. We've already had our opinion on that. Ultimately, I still need to talk about the match. So I'm going to talk about it from a wrestling perspective. And for that, Finch, you just skip forward to the next review. It's not a problem to me. But for me, this match, it certainly wasn't the best match on the card. It was excellent. It was hard-hitting. It was very physical in places. Kushida really liking the aggressive turn of his character. But I like the storytelling notion of it. And I liked Velveteen Dream's get-up. I think there's if there's one thing you can't argue about Velveteen Dream, it's that he always brings his A-game when it comes to his presentation. And that was on display here. You know, the grey hair with the and then obviously because of the way his hair is, obviously, he just he came across as like pretty maniacal with loose cannon, you know, like the dog, a little bit scatty, a little bit crazy. Um the one thing that did irk me slightly was of course the fact that he gave Kushida a Bronco Buster in the corner. That was just <laughs> I mean, I kind of have to laugh at it. I mean, what can you say? You know, he's Frosting his groin into a much smaller individual's face. Like, I talk about imagery that really does kind of, you know, it's, it's foreshadowing, isn't it? It's terrifying foreshadowing at that, if the allegations are to be true. But I thought the match itself was actually very good. And if if there's one massive plus side to it, is the fact Kushida picks up the win, and he looks really strong doing it. He dismantled Velveteen Dream at the end, and Velveteen Dream, to his credit, sold that fucking arm lock like crazy. Yeah, it, it was nice to see. I was really actually excited to see Kushida win. I'm I consider myself lucky that I had seen some some of his work in Japan. Not a lot of it because I I had only started watching New Japan like a few years ago now. But I still got to see some of his work there. And then seeing it in WWE, it's obviously not the same. They can't go you know hell for leather just beating the holy hell out of each other. But this match was like you say a hard hitting. It was fun, like. Velveteen was, you know, doing his entrance on the turnbuckle, and Kushida just came out and started beating the shit out of him. I really, really enjoyed this match, and then with the beatdown afterwards, it looks like they're maybe writing Dream out for some reasons. Who knows? It could be related to speaking out. It could just be... I mean, I'll say I can't think of another reason, but Kushida picks up a good, strong win. Um, maybe we can get him and Balor at some point. I know... I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure who the next contender for Finn Balor is going to be. Or, oh, shit, spoilers. Oh, well, you guys don't care. You know what's happening. So, I mean, let's uh, 
let's build Kushida up some more because I think he could be a really, really fun contender. Yeah, a um, little bit of a break up in your mic there. We shall endeavour to pursue this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So my apologies if uh, Carl Wilkinson's shoddy microphone is ruining your audio enjoyment at this point. But uh, he'll get it fixed eventually, otherwise I'll fire his ass. Um, yeah, yeah, very good match. Not bad. Nice little fella. Interesting as well, because that was obviously the only match which was a non-title matchup. Um, but I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Kushida going forward. Uh, if you can't uh, have him cutting incredible promos, which you're just not going to with the, you know, the translation, this sort of, it doesn't strike me as if he's going to be able to break out like Asuka has and present himself while still being Japanese, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, it's, it's no slight against him, but he's never been a charisma king. He's always been about in-ring work and you know, he's an utterly flawless technician, no doubt. So I'll be curious to see just how much they can get out of this kind of more rage-induced Kushida level. I'm excited by that. Um, the Cruiserweight time was on the line. Santos Escobar defending against Swerve. Now, Isaiah Serve, Swerve, Scott, formerly known as Shane Strickland, also being able to do underground. Uh, you know, these are two very... Very exciting, very capable wrestlers. But where I haven't been fully indulged in the NXT brands, I have not really paid too much attention. What I have seen of Escobar and his little group, I love, absolutely love. Of course, people will know him as El Hijo, Del Fantasma, and of course, he, you know, he demasked and kind of, you know, almost... I don't think he spat in the face of tradition. It's uh, it's actually considered a great honor to take the mask off. It's supposed to be a real like if you look down at, um if you look back at uh, Mexican wrestling law, when you take your mask off, it's normally a ultimate sign of respect for, you know, not only the fans, but also like kind of like a nod to your career so far. Um so, you know, there's loads of different conversations. Now, what was fucking phenomenal, first of all, I have to mention Escobar's entrance. He looks fucking incredible. He had the true old school uh, Dia de los Metes. Um, apologies for my shocking pronunciation there, and <laughs> probably even spell uh, Dia de los Metes, which is, of course, Day of the Dead. He had the mariachi kind of thing going on as well. Real nod to the traditions of Mexican law and Mexican wrestling. Great culture. Somebody who obviously really thrives on it. I love the idea that he's partners, uh, so to speak, who I think are Raul Mendoza and DJ Z, whatever his name was. Um, they had a different name for him, I'm sure. But yeah, these guys, you know, the way they're dressed, it's got a real cartel feel to it, a little bit of a mafiosa kind of thing, you know, la, la familia kind of thing going on. And their promos are great as well. I've seen some of their promos. So that all aside, the match itself was, for me, by far and away, match of the night. And that would probably upset people because they're going to insist on the main being match of the night. And there was no question that was a fantastic match too. But for me, this was, this was fucking fantastic. The athleticism, the the sheer ferocity, the way they were striking each other, the physicality. It is wonderful and refreshing to see a cruiserweight star matchup, that athleticism, that flippy-do shit, as people like to call it, but it was done properly. You know, this wasn't just throwaway spots. It wasn't just like 25 super kicks, <coughs> young bugs. You know, it, was, it, it felt real. It was meaningful. Everything had impact. Everything was allowed to breathe a little bit as well. Swerve didn't just hit like 25 moves in a flurry and then 
you know, Santos kicks out on one. No, it was like, here's a crazy high impact move that, you know, that Frankenstein off the top rope and throwing him into, you know, his lackeys and that. And it was just phenomenal. He even had a, you know, a guest appearance from MC Hammer at some point. Like, the whole thing just like worked really well. It was so well done and it was very minimal as well. You didn't need a massive amount of crazy psychology here. You wanted to see two great combatants going at it and there was that little extra storyline of course you know someone he had a little bit of backup you know whoever that bloke was come down to help him no idea who he was i'm told my something miles tt miles whatever um no idea um, looks good i'm sure he's great i haven't seen him wrestle personally um but the match itself was fucking fantastic man like this this really was um my favorite match of the night and also one of my favorite matches of the year it just stuck well with me. And the way I watched this pay-per-view was a, a very relaxed approach. Didn't really tweet much. Just wanted to sit back, take it in, enjoy conversation with my friends as well. We were lucky to have, you know, Cam in the party at one point as well. He's just a fantastic lad and, you know, really good company. And But this was the one match where I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I was so focused on what was going on. And I've got, you know, the basketball on in the background because I'm a huge Miami Heat fan, as all my friends know. And I'm like, kind of got one eye on that, one eye on the screen. But the basketball took a real backseat here and I was just staring at it and I was just engrossed in everything they were doing. All the moves were such high impact and the flamboyance and the colour and the chemistry between the two. I'd happily watch these guys wrestle each other all year long. I really hope they're going to revisit this and it's going to be a more long-term rivalry because if there's one criticism you probably could have of NXT is they do have a lot of one-and-done scenarios, particularly in the undercard. But do you know what? This helped really legitimize that Cruiserweight Championship. And right now, it feels like it's on a megastar. I genuinely think if he's booked properly and he's given enough time um, to develop as a character, I think Santos Escobar could be a huge fucking deal. Uh, very much in the same kind of mold of what they're doing with Angel Garza as well, who I know is picked up an injury but when he's on fire he really is exciting and I know that WWE officials are very high on Angel Garza I'm hoping that Escobar's going to get the same treatment because the look the way he carries himself his promos I think he's really got something special there I couldn't agree more man this match made me think of you know WCW 1997 not necessarily, you know, the Halloween Havoc match between Eddie and Ray, but just the cruiserweights in general at that time, you know, they were never going to be up in that main event. That's why a, a whole bunch of them left before the company died. But you just knew when you were WCW and you were a cruiserweight, there was that ceiling that you were never going to go over. And they knew that. And a lot of times they just went out and just had the match of the night every night. This was just, this reminded me of, you know, like Ray Mysterio in 2000. Uh, was it 2002, 2003 when he was cruiserweight champion a lot during that time just having you know great match one after another and Escobar just he is he's not like Ray in the fact that he's a bit more muscular like he still does a lot of you know the flippy shit but he's also got a really big power game in there and it's him and Scott Styles just that they're opposite but opposite to track and they just mesh together really really well and yeah, I could watch these guys wrestle for yeah the rest of the year. Give me, give me the rest of 2020. Well, three months of it because it's been a shit year so far, guys. Let's be honest with each other here. And this would be a very nice bright spot to that. 
So let's get, even if it's just, you know, it doesn't have to be on takeovers because, you know, those are very far and few between. So get them wrestling more on NXT, even if they have to have, like, some tag matches with that guy that saved Scott that I don't remember the name of either. There's probably to be some sort of tag match for that. So let's just get them wrestling more and, you know, the people should enjoy that. Yeah, it's there's you know it's never a crime to have a more long term rivalry. I think if it's done properly, obviously it, it's kind of frustrating with WWE because if there's one thing you can really point to is the fact that their long term rivalries normally tend to be quite tedious, quite boring. Something that uh, has bucked the trend quite nicely actually on Raw has been Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton for the most part, which has actually been quite. Uh, interesting and every single time you think oh this is where they're going to pull the trigger and they don't and you're a little bit surprised and it makes you wonder how far they can take it and that's quite good but it doesn't always hit the mark um, case in point Street Profits versus Andrade and Carson <laughs> it's just every week <laughs> just keep having the same thing you know and even then it's it's to do with the way it's presented you know it, it's a very minimalist fashion here one thing I really like about NXT that the main roster doesn't do well is that when they do have these big rivalries, you know, because Escobar versus Swerve is always going to be a world-class match. You know, we know that from an athletic standpoint, it's going to be fantastic. One thing that NXT does so well is they don't give you the actual goods until it matters most. They don't just like, they do have, you know, they are known for sometimes because obviously where takeover isn't like a monthly thing, like it is for a lot of things. Although it seems like they're definitely starting to lean that way a lot more in the COVID era. Um, Cause they've got another pay-per-view coming up next month and they've been using like, um, They've been doing a kind of TNA impact kind of thing, haven't they? Where they've been using the weekly show as a kind of pay-per-view format as well. They did this with like a sort of great American bash double. Um, but one thing that's really cool about it is the fact that, you know, when they've got these big matchups, they, they let you watch them and take over and just spunk them all on TV. You know, something that AEW is doing as well. And they're kind of falling in stamp WCW trap of like every week we've got to have a main event so we can win the ratings. Actually, sometimes it's better to have the slow burn because it is ultimately a marathon not a sprint um speaking of which actually halloween havoc will be returning next month presented by or hosted should i say uh by shotzi black car which is a very good choice very high on this young lady which is great because she's a phenomenal wrestler she's insanely good looking she's basically got everything going for her had a great little uh interaction with Io Shirai recently which has really helped elevate her i think as well uh, halloween havoc though returning mate great news isn't it you know, how could you not like halloween havoc only thing i will say is you better have that huge inflatable fucking what is it the pumpkin or whatever it is. Yeah, if there's a giant that. pumpkin yeah. you, you might as well just stop the show that's yeah, what no, we're you, like the rest will be great but pumpkin. we're here for the pumpkin yeah that's, yeah, we're that's here what for we're the here pumpkin. for yeah, it would be like doing a retro SmackDown show, not having the giant fist. Like it's it's unacceptable. I must have it, and if I don't get that pumpkin, I'm going to be pissed off, and you're going to hear about it, Vince. I'll tell you, I'm just pumpkin is important. No pumpkin, no party, as far as I'm concerned, and that's going to be the name of this podcast. As simple as that, really. Um, the title matches continue. The penultimate match. A very interesting place to put this match. Normally, the one thing that they do with NXT, which does frustrate me, is they tend to put the women's title match on right before 
an even bigger matchup or a more crucial matchup. And sometimes it can lose its luster because that Io Shirai defends her championship against Candice LeRae, the Poison Pixie. She's definitely gone down the dark route. The Gargano way, as we saw now, obviously the other half was not successful in his championship attempt earlier in the night. So would Candice LeRae have better luck? Uh, ultimately, the answer is no. However, this is my favourite Io Shirai match by some margin. That's not because I don't like Io Shirai, by the way. I think she's fucking fantastic. She had that great triple threat. But for me, this was the first time that I saw a real strong element of storytelling and psychology and the entertainment coming into her matchups. Normally, it's just the case of she has great fucking wrestling matches and then overcomes or wins, whatever. With this match, it wasn't just, hey, I'm Io Shirai, I can do the good wrestles. This was, hey, this is Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae. Let's have a story. Let's talk about how Candice LeRae was so underappreciated as the face. Let's talk about how she's got her shit in order, how she believes the Gargano way is the right way going forward. Let's talk about the fact that Io Shirai is almost offended by the way Candice LeRae handles her business now. There were so many little storylines going on, and then, of course... Johnny Gargano interjects as well. Some incredible stuff going on there. I love this match. I thought this was phenomenal. I think this is one of the best women's title matches I've seen for quite a while in WWE. And I've got to be honest, I think WWE's women's division is streets ahead of everybody else. I do. I really do. You look at all of their shows, you know, Raw has really got it going on with Asuka, obviously. Whoever Asuka's in the ring with is fantastic. Right now, she's doing a really good job of helping elevate uh, newer talents because they've got a draft coming up, I know, which obviously will probably mix things up a little bit. Uh, they've just acquired Mandy Rose. Dana Brooks getting a bit of a push as well, which is nice. You know, they really start to understand what to do. And then, of course, on SmackDown, You've got Alexa Bliss doing what she's doing, which I think is fantastic from an entertainment standpoint. And Nikki Cross, obviously, is probably due for a little bit of a rivalry there as well. Lacey Evans putting in some good work. And then, obviously, you know, the ultimate cherry on top of the cake, or the whole cake, should we say, is Sasha Banks versus Bailey. And these are all great entertainment-based wrestling um, storylines and things and I, I think that's fucking fantastic I do I, I'm not going to complain about them but on the flip side NXT the depth of their women's roster from an entertainment standpoint but also the best wrestlers like, I think for me Asuka is still by far and away the best all-round wrestler that women's wrestling has I think she's the best women's wrestler in the world I think she's arguably top two or three wrestlers in the world period male or female um but for me uh nxt's division is just fucking incredible and the more i watch stuff like this the more i think AEW is a fucking joke i'm sorry but it is hikaru shida has done an amazing job nyla rose has got an incredible amount of potential big swole is quite entertaining but overall their women's division is weak it is lackadaisical, it's almost humorous and it's a bit of a joke and it's booked fucking atrociously the people who are in charge of booking it should be fired. And I think it's Kenny Omega and Tony Khan. In which case, go fuck yourselves, boys. You're doing a fucking lousy job. I'm sorry, but there's no excuse. And I know that NXT has, you know, has had a real head start on them and stuff. But how you cannot watch this and feel like this is the benchmark for how women's wrestling should be done is beyond me. And of course, you know, just when you think the cherry on top has already been accomplished with this incredible match. We also get two, you know, stunning pretty much arrivals or returns, should I say. Tony Storm obviously on screen saying, yeah, I will be back soon, which is awesome because she's 
she's got everything. Could be the title package in wrestling. And on top of that, and let's not forget as well, Io Shirai, I do believe, beat Tony Storm in the Mae Young Classic final as well, which is very fucking cool. So you've got that storyline that kind of goes with it. But we also get the return finally after all this time of Ember Moon, who's been out for what feels like a good year and a half, maybe even bordering on two years. It's, it's been a long time since we've seen Ember Moon of her to come out, and she's just looking physically phenomenal as always. Wow, this is one stacked women's roster. And this was a phenomenal match as well. Just a shade underneath five stars for me. Not quite perfect, but it was close. Four and a half, definitely. Oh, this was an absolutely phenomenal contest. And also, Candice LeRae looks fucking great coming out of this as well. Really helps legitimize her even more. Yeah, there's, like the match itself, there's so much to talk about. But honestly, I think a lot of people are just going to be focused on the two returns essentially we have tony storm coming back i assume she's been stuck over there with you guys for since the quarantine hit at least i would i would assume so i think she's in japan because she's with juice robinson isn't she i believe she's oh, yeah, been spending quite a bit of time in japan and she was still from what i know i don't think they're allowed to anymore but i do think that she was putting in some shifts with stardom and that but it seems to be a little bit more of a, a relaxation with travel and they seem to be well, not relaxation but i think there's some sort of they're helping with extenuating circumstances now so they must be getting her back but i know that obviously it's been difficult for some of these wrestlers to come in yeah, and then, of course, yeah, Ember Moon, I think it was an Achilles tendon tear or some sort of Achilles injury. And, so horrendous you know, injury. You know, she yeah. was in a boat for like six months. And like she yeah, couldn't even fucking walk, the poor soul. And now she's finally back. I think that is huge. I remember, like, her batches with Asuka, and, like, they were fucking phenomenal. And now she can have, she's back in NXT because she was on, I think it was Raw when she got hurt. And now she's back in NXT. She's going to be a fucking megastar there like she already was. This is fucking fantastic. The, like you, I'll say it again like you already did, but the depth of the NXT women's division is bar none just the best. Like, just WWE in general just has the best women's division, which is, oh, I'm sure, a weird thing to, for people to think about, but it's true. AEW is absolutely bottom tier, the worst. Impact, to be fair, has uh, also has an incredibly stacked women's division. So, like, and now, yeah, WWE slash NXT, you know, just put them together. There's, there is no limit. You'd say the sky's the limit, but there's nothing. Like, their stars are so bright. There's so many. And I'm, I think I need to try and start watching NXT a little more because I just, I want to see this division grow. I honestly believe, I mean, you know, for the better part of three and a half years since this podcast began, we've made a very strong point of champion, championing women's wrestling. And we won't stop doing that. You know, we cover the Mae Young Classic. We cover a lot of women's wrestling. Frequently, we would open the show talking about what the women had done first because that was far more interesting to us. And that just, that really has become a juggernaut. It's been a runaway train. You know, this is a freight train at this point, especially in WWE. And for all the shit that WWE gets, and it, it deserves a lot of shit, frankly, um, you can't deny that they have gone out of their way 
to make women's wrestling prominent. You know, people really do want to shit on WWE and they want to find excuses to hate them and we will absolutely take them to task. We'll take anyone to task if we think something's garbage. As simple as that. We we are equal opportunity lunatics when it comes to trashing things that we don't like. But I am failing to see where WWE has let down the women, especially in recent memory. It's been quite a while where I can actually say, wow, this is trash and is demeaning or, you know, kind of <sighs> ruins the level playing field of equality, so to speak. You know, the, there was a dip particularly when they were relying very strongly on Becky Lynch and not really pushing anyone else. But do you know what? Becky not being there, Charlotte not being there, has actually opened even more doors. And they've been willing since then to really push forward with different people and experiment with the the psychological standpoint of wrestling a lot more. And I've really appreciated that. I've enjoyed that moment. And yeah, to me, it's just been fantastic. It really has. And what more can you say about it? Thoroughly excited to see what he's going to go on with this women's division even more. Um, Main event time. As you will have noticed, uh, I am four for four right now with predictions, <laughs> which I'm very happy to say. The one criticism I could have of this card is that every title match looked pretty predictable. It, it just didn't feel like the contenders or the challengers had any real chance of knocking off the champion. I think, if anything, the only... I think this Cruiserweight title match was the only match where I genuinely thought the champion was going to get beaten at one point. Um, they did a really good job in near falls. And to be fair, the women actually sold their way pretty well as well, particularly with Johnny Gargano getting in and doing the fast count, which, by the way, is hysterical. Johnny Gargano just charging down as a referee. Like, that was genuinely one of my favorite things I've ever seen him do from an entertainment standpoint. Uh, and I agree with Cam, who was in the party with us at the time. I feel... I don't think his in-ring work has improved because it's very hard to improve on that kind of level of excellence, but I definitely feel like character-wise, Johnny Gargano is improving leaps and bounds, and this was another display for that, and I think this is a feather in his cap from an entertainment standpoint, and never know. The executives might look at that and think, cool, when we bump him up to the main roster, he's got a little bit more potential behind him. They could end up doing what um, Mike and Maria couldn't do, which is you know, um, being an excellent on-screen couple. I think the the groundwork has been laid for that. So I'm excited for that. But the main event for the NXT Championship, it almost surprises me that it's taken this long for Kyle O'Reilly to find himself in the main event, you know? I just, he's so special. He's so talented. He's charismatic like crazy. Like, it's just, it's something so fresh and exciting about Carter Roddy. He constantly reinvents himself while not changing himself too much, if you know what I mean. It's it's a weird kind of dichotomy with him. And he's up against Finn Balor. And you know what? I've been honest and I've been open. I don't like Finn Balor that much. I find him boring. Is he shredded to the gills? Absolutely. Does he look like a megastar? Of course he does. He looks like a million dollars. You know, nobody's going to deny it. Is he a good in-ring worker? Absolutely. I don't think he's a world-class in-ring worker. Like, he's incredibly smooth. Like, if you want to talk about, like, you know, how professional he is, yeah, no question he's world-class. But there are much more exciting in-ring workers for my cup of tea, at least, my tastes. And I find him unbelievably dull. He lacks charisma. I find him very uninteresting. He is, for me, an indie megastar. But you know what? 
I look at guys like Kevin Owens, El Generico, okay, Sami Zayn, even Seth Rollins, and there's been a lot of work and a lot of progression to come, you know, to go from not just being, hey, we're, you know, indie guy. We're actually sports entertainers because ultimately, if you're going to be in WWE, you'd have to be an entertainer. You know, I, do I like sports entertainment? Do I like the fact they call themselves sports entertainers? No, of course not. I like professional wrestlers who entertain. That being said, the reality is that if Finn Balor for me, he's not a very good sports entertainer. World class wrestler, just not very entertaining. Um, this match was incredible. Uh, I just do have to take one minute, just to, just literally a few seconds of your time, ladies and gentlemen, because Miami Heat have won Game Three against the Los Angeles Lakers. Come on, fucking come on, we're not dead yet. Oh, fucking right, love what, what's, what's the series at now? Come on, one uh, Lakers still lead two one, but we have just won this game one fifteen to one oh four. The okay, Heat will two, not two one is better than three zero. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, so, historically, nobody comes back from 3-0. Nobody has ever come back from 3-0 in the fall. So it's now 2-1. We are just That's better on, mate. Yeah, Are they playing in Miami it. right now? Well, no, because obviously... Or do they have, like, hub spikes. cities? Okay, they have hub they, cities like the NHL did? Um, yeah, so what they're doing is that it's actually at Walt Disney World. <laughs> Which is pretty oh, shit. wild in Orlando. <laughs> yeah. So, um, which is great for Miami because obviously Florida, ka-ching. So, you know, we've pretty much, it's amazing being a Miami Heat fan. People are going to say I'm a bandwagon jumper. And, oh, you only support them because LeBron uh, played for him. Actually, Alonzo Morning Baby. I'm all about that late 90s uh, Miami Heat. I've got to see him on Channel 5. Been a fan ever since. Fucking love me there. It's all about Alonzo Morning and D Way, baby. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, no, sorry. Neutral site, Miami Heat are beating the Lakers, which I'm thrilled about because I thought we were going to get swept. So, come on, back to the wrestling. Um, so, yeah, Kyle O'Reilly challenging finally for the NXT Championship against Finn Balor. Not much I want to say about this match other than unbelievably and insanely fucking smooth. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly is kind of like your spirit animal, isn't he? <laughs> I look at Kyle O'Reilly and he does remind me of you in a lot of ways. I feel like Kyle O'Reilly is where you've set your benchmark as a man. <laughs> you know, he's Canadian. He's diabetic. He's an awesome human being. He's entertaining as hell. He's, in some ways, he's very similar to you, Kyle. You know, some of us might think you're even related. I even noticed that he started growing a beard. It's almost like he spotted your playoff beard that's been going on, and he's thought, hmm, I'm going to replicate that badass shit. But you must have been really proud and really thrilled. Like, I reckon this main event was probably far more tailored to you than it was me. Yeah, I, I adored this match. Like, I, I've been with you in the Finn Balor is Born camp, and I don't give a shit for a while. And then seeing Kyle Riley finally get his shot at the main event. Like, I, I've loved the Undisputed Era since they started. You know, when Roderick Strong came in, I thought, man, this, this is an incredible foursome of guys right now. Ha, weird. It's phrasing. But, you know, he was always the tag team guy. He was always with Bobby Fish because they've been a tag team for, like, what, 15 years or some shit? Like, I don't actually know. It just seems like forever. So I never thought he would ever get a main event slot. And then, you know, Karrion Cross unfortunately gets hurt. Finn Balor wins after beating Adam Cole. And then they set up like 
it was was it the gauntlet match to do this i th- I don't remember if it was the gauntlet match or not, because I don't watch NXT. Point is, Kyle O'Reilly wins some amount of matches to get a one-on-one shot with the NXT Championship. He gets, like, the the okay air quotes from his leader, Adam Cole, who him and, you know, Kyle and Adam seem to be having a bit of a face turn, it would appear. We don't know about the other two, but I'm sure we'll find out eventually. If there's some sort of schism in the group, I'm going to be upset. I think they should stay together forever. But, you know, Adam gives Kyle the seal of approval. Pre-match vignette was just fantastic. And then this match, from, if you just look at it from a technical standpoint, it was so smooth. It was like, I don't want to say velvety smooth because that's a poor choice of words. It was as smooth as a baby's bottom or something. No, that's still not good. Point is, guys, it was really smooth. And, like, these two are fantastic workers they just held for each other. It's like that knee bar that O'Reilly uses. Fucking that that I have a bum knee, so just imagining that would be really, really, really upsetting. But like he, I don't know when he even got busted open. I'm sorry, as I'm just jumping all over the place here because I was so into this. But at some point, both O'Reilly and Ballard, their mouth like they were bleeding from the mouth, and I don't know how either of them happened. But at some point, the blood just kind of, you know, rolled down out of Kyle's mouth and he looked like he had a joker smile on him. And I'm like, that's even fucking better. He, he did lose. Ballard does retain, which I think was to be expected. But still, just seeing Kyle in this spot, even if it is just kind of a one shot, which I kind of feel like it is, but that would be really disappointing. I think he is absolutely a main event player. He has been since the Undisputed Era has taken over NXT for the past three years. So it would be fantastic to see him get a little more, but for now, if this is all we get, it was a hell of a serving. Yeah, it was a fine, fine, fine slice of Mr. O'Reilly. It really was a uh, a real kind of uh, coming out party for a lot of people who probably don't know as much about him. You know, it, I forget sometimes. Uh, I'm blessed as a wrestling fan. I've got to see Carter Rodding many times in person. Um, you know, I got to see his career. I loved Red Dragon for so many years. Still got all my original Red Dragon t-shirts from Ring of Honor tours from way back when and stuff like that. You know, I've always loved Carter Rodding and Bobby Fish, but for a lot of the casual fans, this would have been their first chance to really be exposed to him as more than just the cocky little guitar guy from Undisputed Era, and it was just magnificent to see. Uh, you know what? I'll give I will give credit where it's due. There is no question. Finn Balor, when he's motivated and when he um, he's given enough time, can work masterpieces with people. You know, from a technical standpoint, there is no denying. How phenomenal he is. You know, he looks a million dollars, like I've said. He just I've never seen such smooth wrestling. It's so good to watch, so smooth, and so physical and violent in places, really aggressive. Both guys ended up with busted mouths, and you know, there's quite a bit of blood on this. Um, and it everything just worked really well. You know, going forward, I know that Finn Banner is still not gonna be my cup of tea. He's just not ever going to truly be my cup of tea. And I'm okay with that. That's fine. 
You know, I don't have to like everybody. And, you know, I'm pretty sure he's got enough fans that he'll be okay. Um, but, you know, for me, the biggest takeaway from this will be the fact that Carlo Riley got a world-class match out of him. Wouldn't be surprised if Meltzer hands over the five stars for this. He should do. It was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, for me, the Cruiserweight match was more my cup of tea. I like the pacing. I like the physicality of that. That worked better for me. But that's not to say this wasn't a fantastic show. And uh, I, also... Um, they've kind of modified the performance center. I think they've renamed it as well. Uh, they've got this new setup, you know, they've got the barriers up, obviously, with the wrestlers that can kind of act as fans. They even had, like, the digitalized screen, which was very clever, so you could see more people. It felt more compact. This felt like a proper Street Fighter arena. This felt like something out of Mortal Kombat, almost. Like, you know, this really cool kind of you know underground i said to you didn't it should have been raw underground setting because it looked great the darkness and everything i really liked it this felt like a proper fight club like this setting really liked it um even like the barbed wire sort of mesh and everything that came with it and obviously also uh, something we haven't really mentioned at the end of the uh, match rich holland arrives with adam cole over his shoulder and just tosses him like a you know, like a lamb to the slaughter. It's almost like he'd been out hunting. He was like, there you go, bitch, there's your dinner. Skin it and cook it. And he just lobbed poor old Adam Cole over and Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish come dashing out and they're like, what the hell happened? Where is he? He, he literally just walked out there. Also, why weren't you with Adam Cole watching this match in the back? How did Adam Cole get separated? Like, I don't know didn't really fit with me and also they didn't really sort of indicate whether rich holland was going to go after the undisputed era so that gets them away from finn banner or is he going to go after finn banner or is he going to go after both like you know i can take it or leave it there but yeah great show fantastic stuff um what was your overall thoughts of nxt takeover 31 mate uh, it was it was a damn good show, but eh, NXT has this nasty tendency to set the bar so high for itself from its past so, like, trying to, you know, compare an NXT to the one before it can sometimes be troubling because they're always just so good. They've sent their own benchmarks so high. But I really, really enjoyed this one. Each match was unique. Each match was, you know, even if there, you know, there's always, you know, one, air quotes, weak match on a show, just in comparison. That doesn't make any match bad. I, I thought this was a really, really good, well-paced show. Just, you know, well worked. The only thing that did confuse me, though, was anytime there were shots of the announce table, you saw Vic Joseph, and you could hear Wade Barrett, and you could hear Beth Phoenix. But those two weren't at the table. I would bet my life on it. There were, like, stand-ins or something. It was just, it, it was really weird. That kind of took me out of it sometimes. But for the most part, it doesn't affect the fact that I think this was definitely, you know, I'd call, I'd call this a four-star show, top to bottom. Yeah, just a quick aside with the commentary team. Uh, I'm not huge on the commentary team. Uh, I think Beth Phoenix is fantastic. I think Wade Barrett's uh, world-class when he um, really is motivated as well. Um, I like Vic Joseph. I just don't know whether I like the chemistry of the three of them. Um, I certainly don't enjoy it nearly as much as I did, obviously, the mighty uh, Mauro Ronaldo alongside Nigel McGuinness in particular. I think that, that was a, um, you know, a real high-quality affair. Um, but that being said, you know, they did an admirable job. And like you say, it was a bit jarring because it was very obvious that they weren't there. You know, Vic Joseph as well, when they panned to him, he was on his own. And it seemed like he was on a separate table. 
um, which is very strange. So I don't know how much of this might have been pre-taped for whatever reason. People are saying that it was completely live, but I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, it's, it's WWE. Nothing's stopping them from getting things away. And, uh, well, it is what it is. But yeah, like you say, I, I Genuinely great show. Definitely, definitely in the four-star region. It was just so strong. So, so strong. I think the only thing that stops it being a more memorable and more magical affair is probably the fact there wasn't any big title changes. There wasn't any, you know, sort of really big, big moments where you thought, oh my God, like, you know, like a Canby would take over quite a lot, although Ember Moon returning is certainly a big feel-good thing, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, um, as it stands, I thought it was an excellent show. Really appreciate it. Great stuff. And we shall move on, and we will be very interested to see what they do next, particularly with Halloween Havoc gearing up. Could be a very exciting show. And like I say, no pumpkin, no pie. So you better sort your shit out, Triple H, because this, this is going to be my indication. People think Triple H is, you know, this deity, and he can do no wrong. For me, I will judge you based on whether you provide me with an inflatable pumpkin. And if you don't... We, li- we well, live or die by the pumpkin. We do. We live or die by the pumpkin. Where the fuck is my pumpkin, Triple H? And also, check out Aaron Nick's design if you want to see drawings of pumpkins, because that's probably going to be a thing fairly soon. Um, a little bit of housekeeping, ladies and gentlemen. ProWrestlingTees.com slash WrestlePlug if you want to buy a tea, especially if you're in North America. That will save you a ton in terms of shipping. Just 20 bucks for a t-shirt. Uh, Sunset Flip and the WrestlePlug logo t-shirts are available right now. We will have a Halloween t-shirt dropping as well within a few days. Um, so that will be available too. And obviously, if you want that for, well, in time for Halloween, you have to get on the order pretty quick. If you're in the UK or Europe, uh, you're probably going to find it easier to get a T-shirt via WrestlePlug.BigCartel.com. But there are T-shirts available on both sides. So wherever you are in the world, we can ensure that you get a T-shirt. And they're all very fairly priced in the shipping and everything has been estimated and done correctly. There's no rip-offs here. And all the, the money that is made either goes to charity or is normally put back into the podcast. What little money we ever do make. So... Yeah, check those out if you've got a bit of spare change lying around. Social media is at WrestlePlug across all social media. I have a social media is at Aaron Nix. I'm only uh, at, at Aaron Nix Design, excuse me. Uh, only available on Facebook and Twitter right now. Um, we'll see how it goes. I'm not particularly big on personal social media, particularly as Mark Zuckerberg is, as I pointed out before, a mahusive Nazi sympathizing cunt. So go fuck yourself, Mark Zuckerberg. I will continue to push this every single show. And if you ever do somehow listen, I want a piece of your ass. I don't care what it takes. I want to beat the living shit out of you, you pencil-necked fuck. As simple as that. You fucking Nazi-loving white supremacist supporting piece of shit. So, that aside, check out social media. It's at xkyle under slash Wilkinson if you want to follow my good brother from Canada on the Insta and on the Twitter. Um, do you want people adding you on Facebook or would you prefer if they bunked off? <laughs> no, if I mean, we have the Facebook group and I'm in there, so if you ever want to talk to me, I'm, I'm there. But yeah, my I honestly, the only reason I even have Facebook is because my family, like my extended aunts and uncles, they like to, you know, see what I'm up to. So, I mean, if I if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't even have Facebook at all. It is, <laughs> it is a fucking dead platform and I have no space for it in my life. Yeah, yeah, most social media is pretty toxic. Um, we're active in the sense that we will talk to anybody who messages, 
messages us, excuse me, via WrestlePlug. So don't feel like if you tweet us that it's going to be redundant, absolutely we'll respond to you. You can always drop us a message. If you've got any opinions on things, um, feel free to include those as well because we're more than happy to share them. Obviously, we have a state of wrestling address, which we drop weekly. That's always worth checking out. Um, obviously, we try and get that normally down the back end of the week, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. That normally covers all of the week's topics. And, of course, we continue to cover previews. Uh, if you keep an eye on our YouTube channel, which you should be following at this point, youtube.com slash WrestlePlug, uh, we're going to have an exclusive review of the first show from Reach Wrestling's Unit 10. And we're going to be reviewing every show here out going forward. But that will be on YouTube exclusively. And we've still got our watch-alongs going. And we're just about to drop our third watch-along as well. So if you want something to help pass the time in a very difficult time for a lot of people, that's the place you want to go as well. So plenty of content across the board. WrestlePlug.com is a good place to find all of it under one encompassing blanket um before we do wrap things up the good brother from louisiana my boy jerry uh dropped in his thoughts on the show because i do believe he watched it live so let's see what the good brother has to say uh if you want to follow him on twitter i don't know which twitter to hype to be honest i swear to god you've got like 15 at this point mate um, but yeah, if you type in Louisiana Man, you'll find him, no problem. He is a man full of soul and incredible knowledge of the olden era, the older eras of wrestling. And I am very excited about the idea of having him on the podcast at some point once he gets over his anxiety, bless his heart. But what did he have to say about TakeOver? Let's find out right now. NXT shows again its superiority to showcase talent and book better shows than the main roster on a consistent basis. My only complaint is why is Velveteen Dream on the show? There are plenty of non-skeevy superstars available. That's exactly what I said. Plenty of people available. So, you know, get that shit sorted. Ember Moon's return was a great surprise. Tony Storm 2. Match of the Night is a pure toss-up depending on the watcher's perspective. I am not a huge Banner fan, but his match with O'Reilly is gold. But, however, it does suck that Banner won again. Um, yeah, absolutely. Very simple and succinct. We appreciate that. And if you've got any opinions on any shows upcoming or shows you've already seen, we're happy to delve into those two, ladies and gentlemen. Doesn't matter how you get in contact with us, social media, email, website, doesn't matter. They're all available to restplug at gmail.com, by the way, if you are keen on the emails. Um, but that'll leave it. That'll do, I think, as far as uh as far as NXT TakeOver 31 goes, hopefully, hopefully, excuse me, it's very early in the morning and I'm absolutely trashed at this point. But hopefully you've enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the dulcet tones of my wonderful co-host as well, Carl Wilkinson. Thank you very much for joining me to discuss TakeOver 31, Mr. Wilco. Oh, it's a pleasure as always, my friend. And uh, we appreciate when you guys sent in thoughts. I remember back when I used to do it, I would annoy the boss here by sending a wall of text every time. And <laughs> uh, but it was so much fun. But we appreciate any sort of interactions, guys, especially you know, with the world on fire. It's nice to just talk to you guys, see how you're doing. If if you need anyone to talk to, we are both always open for that. So don't be afraid. We're pretty easy going guys. We might uh rib on each other a bit. We'll probably shit on Jay Miller with you if you like. So uh so, you know, get in touch. 
Yeah, I echo those sentiments entirely. Uh, we have very fiery opinions, hot takes. We're certainly not going to bow to the pressure of anyone when it comes to social media or whatever it might be. And we will certainly have hot takes and opinions that would not be concurrent with other people's thoughts and philosophies. But when it comes down to it, we are good people. We do care about people. We are available if things get difficult for you, even if they're not difficult and you just want to fucking get involved in the banter. We're always around. You know, we've always got an Xbox Live party open. If you want to fucking join us for a bit of nonsense or you know listen to us shout and scream and make horrendously uh you know bad jokes during pay-per-views then that is definitely available to you but ultimately it's always lovely to know what you guys think whether that be from wrestling or maybe if you just want to fucking talk maybe you just want to drop a message and say wrestling's a bit shite in it or oh this person's shit or i don't like this person doesn't matter what it is drop it in let us know what you think but from myself and carl wilkinson thank you very much for listening to our review of nxt takeover 31 we'll be back later in a week with a state of wrestling address and don't forget to check out the youtube once again for that exclusive content we'll catch you very soon for more content from the wrestle plug